On today's podcast, we're going to be breaking down NFL Week 1, Week 2 of college football. We're going to talk about Lucas's stellar picks, and then we are going to get into a little bit of baseball. Welcome into the Fumbling Punter Podcast. I'm your host, Devin Keeney, and here with us today are... MLB expert, and based on his picks this week, I think we can go ahead and call him our NFL expert, too. Lucas, welcome to the podcast. Uh, I don't think 7-6, and six. is that what I went? Yeah, but have you seen my college football picks let, lately? I am... Well, I figured you probably picked Mizzou over South Carolina. No, that's actually one of the two games I got right. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I'm picking against... I got that game right myself. I was uh, I was picking against the spread, which uh, has not been very kind to me, and some over unders. That's why I was disappointed with the score the other day of three nothing at the end of the first quarter because I had the over of like seventy two in that game. Which you would have thought would happen after uh, Mizzou gives up like forty points to Missouri State. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But uh, before we get too much into college football, let's get going on some uh, NFL Week 1 action. The uh, opening night last Thursday, Chiefs went into Foxborough and beat the heavily favored. I think the line was uh, Patriots minus 9. And yeah. Chiefs won by two touchdowns, uh, 42-27. And, uh, mm-hmm. All right, Lucas, I have the theory that I think that Kareem Hunt makes Andy Reid's offense go. What do you think about that? Yeah, he clearly uh, is the straw that was stirring that drink. Like, as exciting and dirty as it is to uh, Terry Hill, you know, think that he's a game changer. Cream Hunt was the true game changer in that offense. Cause oh, he yeah. Just, he was like a breath of fresh air. He looked good. He even looked – I mean – he had a fumble, his first NFL carry. But even if you take away the fumble, that was still like an eight-yard rush. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, and then, of course, he took a lot of crap after that, especially from Richie. And then <laughs> Kareem Hunt ends on with like 250 yards or something like that, all-purpose yards or something. Like, he had an insane game. Oh, yeah. I, I think it was just shy of 253 touchdowns. Uh, another thing that I really that really stuck out to me, and I wrote about this on FumblingPunter.com for anybody who hasn't checked that out, uh, I think Alex Smith's reads and his decision-making were just completely different than everything I saw from him last year. It, last year on the touchdown pass he threw to Hill and then the touchdown pass he threw to Hunt, last year he would have checked down to the running back in the flat. And this year he took some chances and they paid off. I think that Alex Smith has to play like that if the Chiefs are gonna are gonna go to the playoffs this year. Well, he's got Patrick Mahomes pushing him now. Yeah. It's the thing. He has to do more. And he knows he has to do more. Because this is the NFL. Andy Reid can sit there and say, Alex Smith's our guy, Mahomes isn't ready, blah, blah, blah. But if Alex Smith throws together a bad game or something, in comes Mahomes. It was like it was like uh, Texans. Bill O'Brien said yeah. Deshaun Watson not going to play for a while, not ready. 
needs to develop. Macho man Tom Savage does not look great. In comes Deshaun Watson. That's because it's the NFL. Yeah, I mean, that is completely true. Uh, speaking of, well, before we get to that, I want to finish up this uh, Chiefs Patriots game. Uh, both teams suffered huge losses on defense. Uh, the Chiefs lost Eric Berry. And have you heard word on uh, how hurt Dante, Dante Hightower is? Actually, I haven't, but. I don't. I mean, I don't think it's for the year. Yeah. Well, the Chiefs did lose Eric Berry for the year, and that's going to be a big blow to their secondary. I think that he's kind of the glue that holds that secondary together. Peters is good. Uh, Terrence Mitchell's played well. Ron Parker's played well, but I think they all just play better when Eric Berry is there. Yeah, and he's the guy you can get behind. It's hard to get behind someone there again, like Marcus Peters. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Eric Berry's just a great dude. Uh, love the – he bought his mom a car and set the bag of grits in there because she always told him he'd be a man when he could buy his own grits. He's uh, just just a great dude. You know, every, I'll be rooting for his speedy recovery. But uh, also my last note on that game is I think the Patriots are going to be fine. You know, every, there wasn't even really a lot of talk of panic. A lot of people picked them to go 16 and 0. I didn't. I never did. I think it's a dumb prediction to say 16 and 0. But I I mean Bill Belichick loves to coach up teams and he's going to get to do that now because they definitely had some flaws. Yeah, I'm sure they'll be fine. Yeah, I I, I agree. Uh but we were talking about Houston, the so maybe this are one of the surprise games of the week for me was Jacksonville over Houston 29 to 7. Um, I think that Jacksonville defense, don't get me wrong, Tom Savage is not Joe Montana. I realize that Deshaun Watson isn't Cam Newton. But the Jags defense looked really good, did it not? Well, it should. Years of high picks. They've spent millions of dollars the last two years on top of their high picks. It should look good. And this is probably, well, they're hoping they're starting to, you know, pay off all the money and investments they've spent on their defense. And yesterday, if it was any indication, then, you know, watch out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they did have a big loss, much like the Chiefs. They lost Allen Robinson for the season. Now, I know you're a big Allen Robinson guy in fantasy, Lucas. Uh, what, do, what do you think about that? How's that going to impact the Jags offense? I think it impacts it a lot. Like, a lot of people – we're still saying, and they did it. They were like a 65-35 split yesterday on run versus pass. Used Fournette heavily, which they're going to do, but you're still going to have to throw the ball some. And he was a big guy that's got a 14-touchdown uh, season on his resume. Yeah. So, you know, he's a big red zone threat for them. And now he's out for the year, and it sucks. So yeah. I like him. Oh, yeah, I like Allen Robinson, too. Uh Last note on this game, do you think that uh, the quarterback of the future for the Houston Texans, I'm just going to simplify this even more, do you think any quarterback on currently on the Texans roster can get them to the playoffs this year? I think either one of them could possibly get them to the playoffs this year. Well, other than the division they play in, I guess I should have asked if they could win a game because they get to the playoffs almost every year because of that division. But the Jags look better. 
the Titans, everyone predicted them to have a good season. They opened up with the Raiders, but uh, the Colts looked atrocious. So I guess you're right. Any That could be – I mean, that could be a low-key competitive division. Um, but I think Deshaun Watson should just go ahead and be the quarterback, see what you got in him. I don't oh. care. They said Bill O'Brien's offense is the hardest offense to learn in the NFL, so might as well just let Deshaun do it with a hands-on approach because Tom Savage clearly don't have it down either. So yeah. either Bill O'Brien's going to have to dumb it down or something. I don't know. But Tom Savage didn't stand back there and keep getting sacked. Like they had to go to a guy that's got a little bit of mobility on him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and – Moving on from that, there were a couple of division battles in the AFC North. Uh, my biggest note that I have here is Cleveland looked respectable against the Steelers. Yeah, it clearly is a different team. It's a young team. Mm-hmm. Um, Hugh Jackson, they believe in Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson's getting guys he wants on his team. They got a lot of money cap space-wise. They... You know, they played a decent game. Deshaun Kaiser looked, you know, even the Steelers complimented Kaiser on, you know, just staying kind of calm, cool, and collected throughout the game. Uh, the Steelers, though, you know, they ended up winning by three. Mm-hmm. They didn't play a very good game. They should have won by a lot more. The offense looked bad for yes. the Steelers. Other than... I don't think I'm – not, I'm not ready to say that Cleveland has a good defense because they don't. And the Steelers should have scored more than 21 points. Looking at the uh, looking at the other matchup there, uh, Baltimore blanked Cincinnati twenty to nothing yesterday. Uh, Andy Dalton, we talked about this before we started recording. Andy Dalton threw for one hundred and seventy yards and four interceptions. Is uh, maybe the Marvin Lewis Andy Dalton era in Cincinnati going to come to an end this year? Look, I'm no Cincinnati Bengals fan. Not even close. I think they're the dirtiest club in football. Montez Burfick shouldn't even be in the league anymore. Um, and, you know, used to, I really didn't care for him too much till that Harold guy started getting all weird about it hmm. that I know from Facebook. And, you know, here's the thing. Andy Dalton's, what, 0-5 in the playoffs? Yep. Marvin Lewis has been there for uh, literally longer than our uh, adulthoods. Oh, yeah. Like, we were still in high school when he started coaching him. Like, Carson Palmer, like, played for them, like, 15 years ago. <laughs> That's when this run started was with Carson Palmer. Yes. Like, so, it has to come to – well, the only thing is who's better than Marvin Lewis out there? He's gotten into the playoffs several times when they weren't even a respectable franchise, which now they're respectable, but now they're a laughing stock because it's like, oh, Andy Dalton – Gonna lose the first round of playoffs. That's what they do. Yeah, I mean they got to see what they got to see what they have in AJ McCarron, right? Oh yeah. So if 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 Andy Dalton's gonna play like that, they have to see what they have in AJ McCarron because he's a free agent after this year. So they got to see if he's worth keeping and letting Andy Dalton go, or switching their roles, or you know, trade chip something. And you know they're just wasting the prime of AJ Green's career. Yes. And I think another issue with them is, well, they didn't have John Ross playing. They didn't use Joe Mixon like they should have. They're going to do some sort of three-headed committee 
bullshit in the run game, and that's going to take away from an offense. I think that's what happened with the Patriots the other night. They just used too many running backs. Oh, yeah. There, nobody got a flow whenever you're – You can't you're... get into a flow. You yeah. can't get into a game flow. It's just because, you know, and it kind of seemed like everyone kind of had a defined role, but still I think when you do that, it just – I like the offense that you got your guy. You can keep the flow going. Oh, absolutely. I'm completely with you on that. And, uh, of course, we're both also fantasy football guys. So, uh, seeing three-headed monsters, five-headed monsters like the Patriots had sucks for anybody that's a fantasy football fan. Yep. So, okay, uh, I think the last notes on the uh, noon games I had from yesterday, noon central, because we are in the central time zone for those of you that don't know, was uh, the uh, Matt Stafford really outplayed Carson Palmer in the Motor City. Uh, Matt Stafford, who was on one of my fantasy teams, and I was pretty worried early on in the game, ended up having a heck of a game, throwing four touchdowns. Uh, Carson Palmer had a bad day, 27 of 48, three interceptions. Uh, what, what do you think about Arizona right now, Lucas? I'm still waiting to see what's wrong with David Johnson, see if he's going to miss any time or not. Yeah, that has me pretty worried. They, uh, I, I that read earlier about them. Yeah, I read earlier that the uh, the wrist injury he may not miss. Oh, he may not miss any time at all. Which is best case scenario for the Cardinals and for our fantasy lives. Oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> uh, um, you know Carson Palmer, big fat bad game, terrible game. I I draw I uh bench Stafford in one league for Palmer, bench Rivers for Palmer in another league because Rivers was supposed to be playing this tough Denver's defense, and now it seems like I would have been better off just staying with Rivers. And you know Carson Palmer thought he was going to have a big day, he ended up with you know one touchdown, two hundred and some yards, but yeah, it was just ugly. He didn't give the Cardinals a chance to win. His his throws were just throws they weren't nothing spectacular he didn't put the cardinals in a situation to even have a chance to win and it seems like they got deflated after david johnson went out who wasn't even having a good game before he got hurt by the way yeah yeah i i was i was pretty disappointed uh, but really you know sleep on the lions i think we shouldn't sleep on the lions yeah i had i had made a note uh I'll, I'll just give you guys some picks here in a little bit before we get off of this but i'm not as down on the lions as everybody else is this year you know whenever i was reading kind of different experts picks and there were some people picking the lions to go six and ten five and eleven i am i crazy for not thinking the lions are that bad of a team no they have i mean their defense certainly looked much improved yesterday Terrell Austin has always been a high, you know, a guy that people keep saying check coaching job. Um, the thing that worries me about the Lions is I just don't think Jim Caldwell is a very good coach. Um, last year they had a respectable season, but they had to come back from behind in like eight games to win, which was spectacular, but that's not really a good indicator of, being a playoff caliber, playoff winner team. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to tread lightly on it, but I think they are a pretty decent team. 
I just the one thing that I don't like about him is I don't know who how their run game is going to be. Amir Abdullah did not look good yesterday. Yeah, had several touches. There's a classic you know, example Riddick. of find a good running back and use them. Find a good all-purpose back, use them as your three-down back. Don't try the yes, two-headed. I, I just think it's, I think it's just better to have a guy like that. Like take Zeke for instance. Last night, you just knew he was going to get the ball, and he was in there on most of the third downs. I'm sure, yeah. Alf came in for some brief, but he had pretty good game flow last night. Oh, absolutely. Uh, like going from Amir Abdullah to Theo Riddick to Zach Zinner to uh, that Washington guy, like I just didn't see no consistency with it. I just, you know, very few times do you actually see three committee, you know, teams that in their backfield win Super Bowl. Yeah, I I'm think trying to think that, off top of my head. I think that we're getting like, back. I think we're getting back to the era where you need a good every down back. Look at the Cowboys and yeah, Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, like you said, that is a perfect example. I think that you need a good three-down back. And here's the thing, though. Atlanta went to the Super Bowl last year. Well, Devontae Freeman was a three-down back. It just so happened that Tevin Coleman also played on third down. It's not like Devontae came out every third down. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, when you got two high, you know, high-talented guys like that, in the Patriots in the Super Bowl, well, Garrett Blunt, he's more of the short line guy, but it was James White. They stuck with him a lot during that comeback. He had like 13 catches in the, like, that's fine, but what you didn't see, you know, teams that just do it on the regular, they're not winning a lot of playoff games. Yeah. They're just not, like, Le'Veon Bell, when he's healthy, you know, he's playing every game. You know, I don't know. I'm going to have to research this a little bit more because I could be completely wrong. But I feel like the teams that have defined roles for their running backs do better. Yeah, uh, I, I'm i looking forward to some research uh, on that. But we were just talking about the Cowboys-Giants game last night. And my biggest takeaway from that game was just that the Giants defense just – or I'm sorry, not the Giants defense. The Cowboys defense just stymied the Giants offense. I mean, they couldn't get anything going. I mean, Rod Marinelli has done this for, you know, this is the third season, I think, where the Cowboys probably have a good chance of making the playoffs or going to the playoffs. Yeah. Um, definitely last year he was impressive. And he just takes guys that are not, you know, superstar defensive guys and comes up with a scheme that works. I mean, they went 13-3 and last year. You can't do that just because of, Ezekiel Elliott. Oh yeah, yeah. Or I mean that defense is great. Prescott, like you got to have some defense to go with that too. So I mean, no, they're probably not ever going to get as much credit as Broncos defense or Seahawks defense. But he's got that defense playing good enough to go with that offense. With that offense, you know, I felt like I feel like the Giants have a really, 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 really good defense. Yeah. I think they gave up the second least amount of points last year or something. Like, they're a good defensive team, and the Cowboys scored, what, 19 points last night? Yep. Zeke had about 100 yards. Yep, right at um, 100. You know, they kept the passing game in check for the most part. Yeah, um, Dak had 268 yards, but, one touchdown. I mean, nothing crazy. So, I mean, 
they put up 19 points against last year's second best defense that I think got better this offseason. Yeah. The defense did. So, I mean, the, the Cowboys, they just need a they need an average defense to go with that offense that scored 19 points against the second best defense from last season. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I think that if they keep it up and Rob Marinelli keeps coaching up that defense, that, I mean, you could definitely see the Cowboys make a run at the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, and I know we never really officially did picks, and I did have the Giants winning. If we actually did the picks, I would have had them winning the NFC. Me too. But I'm coming off that faster than, you know, you can drop a brick to the ground. Like, I'm, I think the Cowboys are – assuming Zeke – Assuming Zeke plays this season, I think the Cowboys win that division. Uh, I, can put, I don't know if you've changed your mind. No, I have changed my mind. I think that if Zeke plays all season, me having the Giants winning the division was based on Ezekiel Elliott not playing the first six games of the season. But since he, mm-hmm. if he plays all season, I think that the Cowboys will win that division handily again. And they got off to a good start because they won the division last year and didn't even – beat the Giants they lost to the Giants twice last year but the Giants look completely lost without Odell Beckham Jr. And they, I don't even know did. if it was that as much as it is their offensive line is still shit yeah yeah it's it it's bad bad offensive it's bad line. <laughs> no, without Odell Beckham Jr. their playoff game last year and this game last night they're averaging less points than the Browns are over that span of time Per game on offense. That's crazy. Crazy. They're, they, I, I think Ben McAdoo's job security should be on the line. It, it, like, I really do, because he's supposed to be this offensive guru, and their offense looks like shit. Defense looks good. You know, Steve Spagnola's got that defense coming, but my God, this offense looks bad. Oh, absolutely. So, speaking of uh, offenses that looked bad, uh, and another huge surprise to me yesterday, I figured the Rams were going to beat the Colts with Andrew Luck being out. I didn't think they were going to curb stomp the Colts in L.A. yesterday, which they did, 49 to, or 46-9. to nine. Uh, Just some notes that I have. Okay, the Colts are not a good football team, and Andrew Luck is just good enough when he's healthy to cover that up. But they're really not a good football team. They, well, they have, have no running game. Divisions. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, playing in a bad division has helped. But, I mean, when you look at it, they are a bad football team. Their offensive line is bad. Their running game is non-existent. Their defense is horrible. I, they gave up 46 to the Rams. And I'm not, I think the Rams are going to be better than they were last year. But the Rams are still not great. I think the Rams are going to go 8-8. Eight and eight. They could. I mean, yeah. I, like I, I said, I think they're going to be better than they were. Season. But, yeah, the Colts are bad. I knew that the Rams would beat them. I didn't think the Colts had an ice cube chance in hell. They just didn't, you know. They still have offensive line problems, which has been that way for two or three seasons. You got Andrew Luck, who keeps getting beat up and half and half surgeries and a bad shoulder. Like, do they even want Andrew Luck to come back this year? Like, Ugh. All he's going to do is get hurt again yeah. with that seeping offensive line. The defense ain't any better than it ever was. No. Like they're a big project. Like, they're a project team. And um, Chuck Pagano, he's getting shit-canned this year. Yeah. 
right. it's been a volatile situation for like the last three seasons. But, you know, part of that, you know, was the whole he came back from cancer deal. I think it's been a long enough time since that that now you could probably fire him without that sort of repercussion. Yeah, but they have just – they've made terrible draft day decisions. They've – I mean, what, two years ago when they drafted Philip Dorsett in the first yeah. round? They have all yeah. these needs on defense. They have all these offensive line needs, and they draft another wide receiver after they already have a very well-established – Not even that good. Yeah, but, I mean, they already had T.Y. Hilton and Dante Moncrief. And they went and drafted another wide receiver over anyone on defense or anyone on the line. That's just terrible. I mean, that, and that's why uh, Ryan Grigson, that was their old GM, correct? Yep. That's why, I mean, that's why he got fired. You, It's hard to argue. Oh, yeah. They get a new guy in, and, you know, he obviously is going to want his own coach after this year. And so Pagano's getting fired, and you heard it here first. This is going to be the job that John Gruden takes. I agree. I, agree. I would. I can completely see that. I, Gruden wants to get back in. His brother had already gotten a job, so I think that this is it. He's got Andrew. He's only Luck. taking a job where he's got a quarterback. Yep. Uh so I, I did also note that Cooper Cup and uh, Sammy Slam and Sammy Watkins actually looked like a pretty formidable one-two wide receiver core for the Rams yesterday. Yeah, they will be. Um, you know, Cup very precise routes. Sammy Watkins, you know, he was the highest pick receiver and one of the best receiver classes of all time. The talent's there. The health always hasn't been. You know, basically, these guys are fine. Even Robert Woods is fine. It all just boils down to Jared Goff's development. Yeah. And uh, it seems like he is a much improved quarterback over the last season. Yeah. But watching that game on the Red Zone channel, I got to say it, Paul, that stadium looked empty. Well, <laughs> I mean, I know that's how – I know that's what you Rams fans get off on at night. Is stadium's going to be in – well – who wants to go to the Coliseum and watch the NFL game? I don't. The, Let's wait till they nobody, get that new stadium. Yeah, the, and guess what? People are going to go for two years to see the new stadium, and then it's going to look just like the Coliseum. No, they just okay. shit, they just shit all over St. Louis and St. Louis sports fans because they couldn't sell out the dome. The they had their last ten years in St. Louis were the worst ten years any football team has ever had. And they're, I mean, they've got they've got an exciting team now in L.A., and nobody's at the game. Because they don't know it yet, but they will. Wade Phillips is going to make that defense good. By next season, when they open, or, and when they open that stadium, people's going to show up. But here's the other thing is Cronky's building that stadium without government money, without the tax people's money. And now he's in L.A., that stadium's going to be used for concerts, and all sorts of other things. The NFL people make their money off TV, not people that come to the stadium. Oh, yeah, absolutely they do. They're already talking about the benefits of maybe going to smaller stadiums that hold 30,000 people. Like the Chargers temporary stadium? Yeah, make it more like fan, you know, a better fan experience with smaller amounts of people. I can see that. I haven't had... uh... Season tickets in Kansas City last year. Uh, it's it's a hassle, man. 
it's a hassle to go to a game, especially not living right in the city. Between the drive, parking, getting out of the stadium after the game with parking, I mean, you, you, you lose your whole Sunday. It's a lot more fun, in my opinion, to just sit there, sit at home, watch the Red Zone channel, and catch every touchdown. So, yeah, I, th- I think that could be the way that teams go to in the future, and I think I hope that uh, Stan Kroenke already has his four, $3 billion stadium built by the time that other teams decide to do that. Because screw Stan. Hey, that stadium will still be used for all sorts of other things. <laughs> okay, so let la- used for a lot. Stan Gronky, great businessman. Don't care how pissed off you Rams fans are. <laughs> so last uh, last note I had was uh, the Packers off to a one and zero start. The Seahawks offense really struggled. Do you give more credit to the Seahawks offense struggling, or or to the Packers defense for playing well, or more blame to the Seahawks offense for playing terrible? Seahawks offensive line trash it's bad yeah oh yeah i mean they've lost a bunch of people yeah they're just uh they lost you know their guy that was going to start left tackle i don't think he's that good anyways but blew his knee out or something in the preseason i don't know much about their other offensive linemen other than they're pretty bad i know i think justin Britt is on there mizzou guy or whatever but he's more worried now about social justice than playing football which is a little wrong with a lot of the seahawks to be honest so yeah if, if you lose your um, focus got, from football I mean, they got a lot of work to do because their offense did not look good who's going to be the running back yeah. jimmy graham had three catches for eight yards yeah pretty tough but then tonight we uh we get two monday night football games i may miss the early one which is uh Purple Jesus, I guess maybe now Golden Jesus, Adrian Peterson. Uh, his first game not with the Vikings, going to be against the Vikings. Uh, I don't know how, I mean, if the NFL set that up specifically for opening week Monday night football or nope. what happened there. But I just fun read coincidence. In Peter King's, I just read in Peter King's Monday morning quarterback, the schedule was released um, April 20th. Adrian Peterson signed with the Saints April 25th. So the league did not plan that, but possible that Adrian Peterson chose the Saints because of that. But also there's not like there was a ton of jobs out there for him, so it's kind of hard to say. Yeah. But uh, some notes I have for tonight other than that are uh, how how is the Vikings offensive line going to look? Because last year Sam Bradford did not have much time to throw the ball, uh, which kind of been the story of his career. Uh, how will Denver's offense look? Uh, you know, there's always going to be a question there because everybody loves that defense, but it's going to be the offense that's going to have to get them to the playoffs. And then my guy, Keenan Allen, returns to the field after tearing his ACL in week one last year. Uh, anything you're looking forward to in those two games tonight, Lucas? Um. Well, I hope the score is like 50 to 55 at the end of each game. Because <laughs> I got I got a lot of fantasy guys playing tonight, and I'm losing bad in literally every league I'm in. So I need a miracle. I have I have one uh one win possible this week, maybe two if Keenan Allen erupts for like 200 yards and four touchdowns. But uh, well, I mean, yeah, but I'm 
I mean, I don't know. Football's fun. When it gets to Monday night, I just, like, I got a chance to still win and still have guys playing. I get even more jacked for Monday night football. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. Tonight starts a little early, 610. Probably be over at, like, midnight. Oh, or no, later, probably. Oh, yeah. The second game doesn't start till 930 Central. Well, the average of the games yesterday was three hours and five minutes. Oh, that game's going to start until 9.30 our time? I don't believe the, the second game. I have CBS app pulled up on my phone here. And sorry, bad uh, bad podcasting right now. 9.20 Central, the Chargers-Broncos. And I think the first was like 6.15. Yep, 6.10. You were so, right the first well, time. Well, that almost works out perfect because the average time of a game yesterday was three hours and five minutes. Yeah, if that works out that so, way tonight, then nobody will have to miss the ending of one game or the start of the other. Yeah. Okay, so now sweet. now I want to get into this new uh, new segment we're going to do each week. It's hopefully going to tie into something cool we're going to do down the road. But uh, we're going to have Fantasy Football Week 1 Stars and Bust uh, Quarterbacks. Uh, number one quarterback performer of the week, Lucas, Alex Smith. 368 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. Uh, Stafford, 292 yards, four touchdowns, one interceptions. Carson Wentz uh, went for two touchdowns. Uh, Matt Ryan, 321 yards. And Tyrod Taylor, 224 yards, two touchdowns. Lucas, what do you think? I'm sure Alex Smith is available in a lot of leagues out there. And oddly enough, two of the five leagues that I'm in, Maybe three. I'd have to go back and check that big, the fumbling punter 16-team league. Yeah. I'd have to go back and check. But, and that may be one I'm thinking of. But I know for sure, two out of my five weeks, someone actually started Alex Smith. Huh. Which I found absolutely incredible. Well, uh, you know, that might be just a function of the area. A lot of Chiefs fans. You know what I mean? There's yeah, a... I mean, that, and that very well could be. But most of the leagues I'm in, is pretty seasoned fantasy guys that care more about a fantasy win than playing their when their guy. Alex Smith is owned in 23% of Yahoo fantasy football leagues. I just had to look that one up. And let's see, and I had him starting 40%. So maybe that's not that crazy. But you know, a lot of leagues I'm in too, they're all just quarterbacks. So having two quarterbacks sometimes seems silly, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, he had a fantastic week. I mean, no one can complain about Chiefs fans can't say, you know, you can't be calling for Patrick Mahomes yet. Yeah. No, not, not at all. But those were some, uh, top, uh, fantasy football quarterback stars from week one. Uh, and then the bust quarterbacks for week one, Andy Dalton, 170 yards, four interceptions, uh, Joe Flacco only had 121 yards, one touchdown to Jeremy Macklin, one interception. Eli, I was severely disappointed with last night. 220 yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. And then Russell Wilson, 158 passing yards, no touchdowns, 40 rushing yards. Uh, Lucas, if you own any of those guys, Dalton, Flacco, Eli, or Russ Wilson, are you concerned going ahead or going forward this season? Not concerned with Danger Russ Wilson. The other guys, I got Andy Dalton in the in the Summit Center League. Yeah, man, that hurts. That does. Um, yeah, I'm a little worried about him. Eli's Eli. Um, 
every June. It's a running joke between me and my friend. I'm super high on Eli, like every June in July. Just, <laughs> All man, the time. Eli, this is his year. He's got some weapons. He's They're going to fix that offensive line. Last night, all that came crashing down. Star Eli and Dynasty League. I'll be rolling with Wentz from here on out. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, them guys, some of them are a little worrisome. Like, is the Bengals going to give A.J. McCarron a chance? I don't know. Russell Wilson should be fine. They got some playmakers on that offense. I think they'll figure it out. But the other ones, you know, just keep watching and go where the statistics tell you. Yeah. And then uh, running back stars. This is one I really want to hit on, or a couple I really want to hit on. Kareem Hunt, uh, 246 total yards, three touchdowns. And then uh, Cohen from, I, I think I may be saying that right, uh, from the Jay Bears. Cohen. Yes. Yep. Uh, 66 rushing yards, eight receptions, 47 yards, one touchdown. And I read someone this morning that said they felt like he may be in a true at least time split, if not getting more touches than Howard this year. Yeah, he only had two less touches than Howard. And Howard didn't help himself any by having a drop in the end zone and what would have been a game-time touchdown yesterday as time was running out. So. Are you um, if you if you own Jay Howard and you probably drafted him late first early second, are you panicking right now? Not necessarily because I mean the Bears lost their two top wide receivers, Kevin White. He's the, the Bears version of Derrick Rose. He's out for the year already. One game. He's played five career games coming into yesterday. Out already. Cameron Meredith tore his ACL earlier in the offseason. Um, so I think Joe Howe, Joe Howe and Tariq Cohen are going to get several touches no matter what the split is. So I think there's probably room on that team for both. Yeah. Then, uh, you know, you had some guys that we mo- maybe expected to have good weeks a little bit more. Uh, LaShawn McCoy, uh, Leonard Fournette, Zeke, and then uh, Mike Gillisey filling in that LeGarrette Blunt role with three touchdowns. But underneath uh, LaShawn McCoy, I put that Mike Tolbert is still a vulture. Same guy, or same role, different place. He uh, came in and stole one at the one-yard line yesterday like he did so many years in uh, San Diego and then in Carolina. Yeah, and I think I'd read somewhere on Twitter that said maybe LaShawn got a little banged up and that's why he came out. Mm. But I don't know that for sure because that's the one game I really didn't watch a hell of a whole lot of. I just happened to see that play when it popped up. And uh, it just reminded me of Mike Tolbert's entire career, just stealing touchdowns of the one. Then uh, running backs, running back bust this week, Lucas. Uh, Le'Veon Bell had 10 carries for 32 yards, three receptions, 15 yards. David Johnson had a bad week. He had that wrist injury. Uh, Joe Mixon, eight carries for nine yards, three receptions, 15 yards. Rob Kelly had 10 carries for 30 yards. The entire Seahawks backfield, and I own Paul Perkins, and he got so few fantasy points, I didn't even care to look at his stats. I could have just told you he had a terrible week. I owe him in a league or two myself. Good God. Yeah, so, uh, you know, clearly I think it's too early to uh, start to panic on Le'Veon Bell or David Johnson. Those are pretty proven guys. But uh, what do you think of uh, Joe Mixon, Kelly, 
Paul Perkins, the entire Seahawks backfield, do you, I mean, are you just not touching any of them for a while? Seahawks backfield is a complete mess. Ultimately, it may come, you know, it may end up being Thomas Ross' job again if he ever gets healthy or Chris Carson. Didn't really see much out of Eddie Lacy yesterday. And, you know, I don't want to take too much away from the Packers because they did play a good defensive game. But it's their whole offense seems they don't have an identity in Seattle. Yeah. Um, Bell and Johnson not worried about, obviously. Joe Mixon, I feel like he's just getting tossed around. He clearly is very, very, very talented. Far more talented than Jeremy Hill yeah. or Gio Bernard, but he may just not be in the right situation at the moment. He may not, you know, he's he, not having a defined role probably hurts a rookie, in my opinion. Yeah. I don't know that for sure. I'm not an NFL coach. I'm not an NFL player. I'm not an NFL scout. But I was disappointed in Mixon's debut yesterday. And that's not taking, I mean, then the Ravens probably got to have a out defense they concentrate on their defense a lot this offseason oh yeah so i mean don't count that don't count the ravens defense is not playing a part in that but you know part of that is obviously the offensive scheme of the beagle Bengals because if the ravens are going to have four interceptions and several quarterback pressures a game then you're looking at a better ravens defense than what they had when they won the super bowl way back in the early 2000s yeah, and uh, so going on to wide receivers real quick. Uh, I Top five wide receivers, uh, stars this week. Antonio Brown had 11 catches for 182 yards. Tyreek Hill had seven for 133 and a touchdown. Kenny Galladay had four catches, 69 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Nelson Aguilar had six catches, 86 yards, and a touchdown. I thought he seemed really involved in, the Philly, in Philly's offense yesterday. And then Golden Tate had 10 for 107. Lucas, let's talk about uh, Galladay and Aguilar. Uh, are you buying either, both of those guys? Yeah, I'm buying Kenny. And I'm buying, well, I'm buying Kenny more so than I am Aguilar. Um, TJ Jones started to play more than Galladay yesterday. But clearly Galladay is a better performer. He was a better performer in the preseason. I don't know what their deal with him was. Um, I think that's one of the reasons I don't like Jim Caldwell is I think talent should always win out. Um, He's probably better than uh, Marvin Jones, to be honest. So I'm buying him. Al Galore, you know, sometimes it takes receivers time to get into a groove in the NFL. Most of that's tight ends. That takes several years. But, you know, sometimes you got to grow into your position. I think he's going to be much better than he was last year. Yeah. I am his Philly star right now. I think ultimately that's still going to be Alshon Jeffrey, but he was shadowed quite a bit by Josh Norman yesterday. Yeah. So that's why, like, Ertz and Aguilar got more of the throws than, you know, Jeffrey did. Yeah. And uh, talking about Jeffrey, he made my list of receivers, uh, receiver busts this week. Uh, of course, number one on that list is T.Y. Hilton, who I own in every fantasy league I play in. And uh, Scott Tolzien really doesn't help his fantasy value. And then uh, Brandon Marshall had one catch for 10 yards. Uh, that, that was his time was running out. 
yeah. of the game, by the way. It's not like he got the ball early. That was like uh, – Oh, on. let me tell you, no, I faded him in a lot of uh, DFS – of a lot of my DFS competitions yesterday because I Odell Beckham was out. I'm like, okay, you know, Brandon Marshall's a man. He can catch the ball against anybody. I don't know what in the hell they were doing, what the Giants were doing yesterday, but one catch. I think he had two targets. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't even think he had a hell of a lot of targets. So, you know, what the hell was going on there? Because Paul Perkins only had like eight rushing yards. Of, yeah. How, many, how did Eli even have 220 yards or whatever you said he had? Uh, I'm gonna look this up a little bad. Uh, bad radio podcasting right now, but I do. I want to see who had. Uh, I think Shepard had quite a few. But okay, I got it up here. Uh, R. Lewis had four catches for 54 yards. Shane Vereen had nine for 51. Sterling Shepard had seven for 44. Evan Ingram had four for 44. Marshall had one for 10. Uh, Ellison, the other tight end, or the starting tight end, had one for nine. Perkins had two for nine, and Darqua had one catch for negative one yards. <laughs> Spreading the love around, but not in a good way. No, absolutely not. But, yeah, so I I was incredibly disappointed with that yesterday. I hope that, I don't know, I hope they figure it out and they don't just waste Brandon Marshall this year. But uh, yeah, Marquise Lee tossed a shutout yesterday, and then Alshon Jeffrey had three for 38. But as you, you already talked about that a little bit with Josh Norman. Uh, any thoughts before we get off fantasy football, Lucas? Honestly, it really wasn't an exciting offensive week. I think the most excitement we got was Thursday night. Yeah. And the Thursday night game was Kareem, with uh, Kareem Hunt. Um you know, it just seemed like there really wasn't a lot of great running back performances yesterday. And for that matter, it really wasn't a heck of a whole lot of wide receiver performances yesterday. I'm a little disappointed you didn't bring up Antonio Brown's like 11 catches, 180 yards. He was my number one on my on the wide receiver top oh, five. Did I miss that? Yeah, Antonio Brown, 11 for 182, right before Tyreek Hill. Oh. I, we just didn't talk about him that much because that's just what Antonio Brown does. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. That's my bad. I thought you left him off. I was oh, no. No. Well, that's my bad. But, yeah, um, so hopefully as the season goes on, though, offenses have improved a little bit. So, um, fantasy God, is more I exciting, hope so. obviously. Yeah, it's more exciting when there's more scoring, and that may not jive well with your, you know, just football fandom team, but – Fantasy-wise, you want to see more points. Yeah, so going on to a little college football here real quick. Um, I uh, Just bringing up a few short points here. I think that the conference commissioners, the NCAA, and the TV executives have to do a better job spreading out games in this early in the season. You had Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Stanford, USC, Clemson, Auburn, and Georgia, Notre Dame all kicked in with it kicked off within an hour of each other. Meanwhile, we and that was all between 6 and 7. Every game before that yesterday was or on Saturday, I'm sorry, was crap. So you waited all day to for four big games to be at the exact same time. I tried to flip between them and I couldn't because I didn't understand what was going on in any of them. 
So finally, I just settled down and watched the Oklahoma-Ohio State game. Who, who drops the ball on this? Seriously. I, I don't know how the inner workings of that go. But, yeah, it does seem like they could have had some better early afternoon games. Probably I was over at uh, Dick Hayes' house early afternoon Saturday, and we was kind of flipping through the games, and there really wasn't much appealing um, game oh, yeah. on at that time. So, yeah, it seemed like there were several good Saturday night games. So, you know, I don't know. They, they could have spread it out a little better. Yeah, uh, Clemson, big win over Auburn. Uh, I think Auburn really let the SEC down. Um, Georgia kind of, you know, kept some SEC pride beating Notre Dame. Uh, Sam Darno and USC look like they shook off their cobwebs uh, that they had in week one. And then Baker Mayfield and Oklahoma marched into Columbus and beat the Buckeyes by two touchdowns. Uh, I know we talked about this the other day. I loved Baker Mayfield taking the OU flag to the middle of the O in Columbus and planting it there. I mean, that is that is swag, and that is some brass testicles on that man. <laughs> yes, it is. And then he had to apologize this morning for that. Ah, lame. I'm guessing yeah, that either yeah. Lincoln Riley made him or the administration made him. Yeah, um, there's a theory out that Lincoln Riley probably made him do it in case Oklahoma has to play Ohio State in the playoffs. Um, because, you know, Ohio State can lose two games and they'll still put them in the playoffs. So Yeah, I read mean, my week there's two a recap. Possibility that, uh, <laughs> that the OU and OSU meet up in the playoffs. Yeah, read my week two recap on fumblingpunter.com. I talk about how Ohio State can lose two or three games and still get in, and that's why Penn State or Wisconsin are going to have to go undefeated and win the Big Ten to keep Ohio State from getting in. But then, uh, oh, I looked on oddsharks.com, and they have Oklahoma as a 16-1 to to win the national championship this year as of right now. I think those are some pretty good odds. I'd like to lay a little money down on that myself because I think yeah, that this think, Oklahoma team just kind of, it may be one of those years for them. Yeah, I mean, certainly it's early, but Baker's Mayfield looked pretty pretty good. Got a, you know, beat the number two ranked team. And whether or not they should have still been ranked number two anyways is a little questionable. Early season rankings are very fluid. Yeah. At this point. Um, but, yeah, ba- uh, Baker looks good. Uh, you know, I really don't know much more about the Oklahoma team. But if you got a quarterback like that's playing, um, you know, you're always going to be in the games. Um, it'll just be interesting. You know, an OU-Alabama game would be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it absolutely would. But, well, Lucas, you got anything more before we hop off here? Nope. Okay, well, this has been a lot of fun, a lot of football to talk about, and we're going to keep on it. Uh, Check out FumblingPunter.com. We've been writing like crazy. Lucas gave some great uh, picks. If you want to go read those for week one, see who he picked for tonight's two games. Uh, I have a week two college football review and rankings up. Uh, Go check that out. Again, that's FumblingPunter.com. Lucas, thanks for joining us, my man. Not a problem. Glad to be back. 
All right. Well, we'll talk to you guys later on this week. Get ready for week two of the NFL and week three of college football. For Lucas Jones, I'm Devin Keeney. This has been the Fumbling Punter.